Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank. Banking with greater momentum. At B1Bank.com. Sewers on the Boulevard. We're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal. Stephanie Regal is a broadcaster and editor of Baton Rouge Business Report. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Sometimes what makes a business interesting is not so much what it does as much as how it does it. Today, the internet and mobile platforms make it possible to do business in all sorts of new ways. Then again, the digital era has also made it possible for savvy entrepreneurs to improve on age-old business models like the barter economy and come up with something better. Our guests today exemplify those trends. First is Chip Davis, president and CEO of the Trade Authority. It's a Baton Rouge company that supplies software, technical services, and know-how to barter exchanges. And in case you didn't know it, barter exchanges exist all over the country and are quite popular. Chip knows something about this. He and 12 other partners founded the very successful Partners One Trade Exchange here in Baton Rouge in 2000. In the years since, it has grown to over 600 members who spend trade dollars backed by goods and services amongst themselves on the exchange. The success of Partners One is what prompted Chip several years ago to create the Trade Authority so he could replicate that success and help other trade exchanges to grow. It's a really fascinating story. Chip, we look forward to hearing about it. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. Nice to be here. Well, joining me and Chip is Warren Sager, who happens to be a founding board member of the Trade Exchange and the board chairman of Partners One. But Warren also has a thriving internet retail business, Internet Retail Connection, which operates several different internet retail sites and had revenues last year of nearly $3.5 million. Among the sites under the Internet Retail Connection umbrella is the company's flagship, KnifeDepot.com, which carries more than 10,000 knives and is one of the largest knife retailers on the Internet. Separately, Warren also owns HybridRacing.com, which designs and sells online engine parts for Hondas and Acuras that have been modified into race cars. Warren, I don't know how you do it all. We're going to even try to explain it all and cover it all on this show. But y'all have some really cool stories, and so we look forward to hearing about it. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Okay, Chip, I want to start with you, because you figured out how to make virtual currency work in the real world. Bitcoin be damned. I mean, the secret is a trade exchange. So let's say I'm a, I'm a dentist, and I join the exchange, and then I can trade my services on this exchange and use those trade dollars, say, at a, at a restaurant that's on the exchange or with a roofer who's on the exchange or a mechanic. That's basically the way it works, right? Exactly. Uh, we actually uh, sometimes don't even use the word barter to describe it. Barter often would imply a, a direct one-to-one -one transaction. Swap. Right. Okay. And uh, we essentially have come up with what I would say is an alternative private supplemental currency. Uh, so yes, you uh, as a dentist, uh, 
you um, uh, are looking for, you have a plumbing emergency today, and so instead of your fingers doing the walking in the yellow pages, you, uh, because you'd rather save your cash and you have this alternative currency, you make another buying decision. You decide to look for a plumber that's within the, your local trade network, uh, in this case, Partners One here in Baton Rouge. And so uh, you call the plumber and he does business and instead of paying him the cash, you pay him with this trade currency. This plumber has gotten business that would have gone somewhere else, likely, but because he belonged to the network, he received the business. He gained from it. And tonight when he wants to go to eat, he goes to Mansour's, who happens to be on uh, the Partners Trade Network. And they and really he, are. And he buys his meal using that. And when Mansour's wants to... Um, uh, print new menus. They go to a printer in the network. And when the printer wants braces for his daughter, he goes to an orthodontist in the, in the network. And so all of these people are getting business that would have naturally gone somewhere else, but because they take this currency and their competitors don't, they're drawing uh, the natural inclination because people would rather save their sure. money and spend this other currency. So what is them. this currency? Uh, we just generally call it trade. Uh, if you're hitting partners one, maybe they'll call it partners dollars or something like that. But uh, uh, every exchange calls it something else. For instance, we have a, an exchange in Lake Charles called the Buccaneer Trade Exchange. Uh, but they change, they shorten the word to call their currency bucks. Okay, but US, it's all so. virtual. It's all virtual. Everything is done online or through the mobile app or through, uh, we've taken what used to be credit card machines and retooled them. And so uh, today, if I'm here eating at Mansour's, I hand the, the, um, the waiter or waitress my, my barter card. It looks like a credit card. And they run it through the what used to be a credit card machine, but it looks and acts and behaves just like that. But indeed, the currency is not U.S. currency that's being traded. It is our own currency, our own digits that are currency moving. Currency values fluctuate all over the world, as we know. Is that what happens on the exchange? And I mean, who values this, valuates this currency and determines what stuff is worth? Uh, uh, certainly a difference between what you would hear with a, a Bitcoin whose currency changes with the blowing of the wind every day. Our currency is actually tied to the U.S. dollar. So uh, a trade dollar is the same thing as a U.S. dollar as far as its, its value. Uh, truly, if you want to know the reason and the difference and what's the benefit of, of this, it's really more the networking aspect of it is that because I can draw business to me because I take this currency and my competitor doesn't. Uh, that's really where the benefit comes down to it. Uh, it is, uh, is made easy to use and where we can track everything. Uh, there is a, a governmental proportion to this. We do have to report uh, the, uh, transactions, income that comes in through this currency to the IRS. And so all above board, all recognized by the government, but the dollar is the same as the dollar, and uh, it, uh, it, it works in that same fashion. I want to hear some more about it. Well, Warren, you're involved with, with the exchange. Yes. Yeah, so Does I started as a member of Partners One here in Baton Rouge um, like over 10 years ago, and I, I love the value of trading and, and you know, bartering. The key thing for us is as a small business, it's so hard, you know, you got to hold on to your cash and it's so hard to always sometimes, you know, get all the things that you like to have. And the great thing about trade is you could trade and get and buy things that you don't have cash for and with your own goods and services. So it allows you to do more with less and you could hold on to your cash. Now, did you find that it drove more business to your in, at that time, internet retail companies? Yeah, well, for example, in my e-commerce business right now, and we are on uh, two of the trade exchanges, 
is that we do a lot of business here locally on the trade exchange that I would have never, ever gotten. We don't do a lot of local business, really? but because of the trade exchange and they see our goods and services on the network, they do business with us and therefore I'm able to have trade dollars that I could use and trade back into the community. So like knives, for instance? Oh yeah, so one of the greatest things we're doing lately is we're doing these customized knives with company logos and things like that. And so the companies are buying those and giving those away as employee gifts or, or things for giveaways for you know customers. And Fantastic, I and then what the do you use your trade dollars for? How do you spend them? So, uh, for example, um, I probably am not the typical trade member because <laughs> I like to use them personally uh, for, for my own personal use. Uh, you know, getting the car wash, the dentist. I went to the dentist yesterday on trade. Uh, going that to out to so eat cool. with the family and restaurants. Uh, actually, once a year, what I do, uh, we don't have a lot of cash to give bonuses to our employees. So what we do is I get trade dollar. Uh, gift cards and I give those to my employees and so all year long they're using those gift cards to do things that they want Fantastic. knowing that they're getting the value from what we gave them as a holiday N present. Now do you have to accept offers from other traders? I mean no, no, the beautiful thing about the trade network is just like any business that you're doing, you're still in control of your business. The trade exchange isn't forcing you to do a transaction you don't want to do. If you want to take a lot of business, great. If you don't want to take a lot of business, that's great too. It's just a matter of you running your business the way you want to run it, knowing you have this extra way to get business and, and move money around without having to rely on typical cash purchases you know, on the, on the buy or the sell Sure. Side. Now you said you're, you're not a typical trade exchange member. You're in the e-commerce business and you have this whole, s this whole slate of, of retail e-commerce companies under the internet retail.com umbrella. Yeah, so one of the reasons we don't are not a typical trader is typically you get money from your business trading and then you want to spend your trade dollars on the things your business needs. Well, my business is completely virtual. I actually still work out of a spare bedroom in my home. We actually have a network of employees that work for us. They're all contract employees, stay-at-home moms, wow. who also work at home and able to provide the service our customers need and, and take care of business. And you got into e-commerce in, in relatively, or in the relative early days. Yeah, just about in the beginning. And and it, it has changed. And it took all. off. It was huge, uh, right? Well, yeah, because back then, since the big guys, Walmarts of the world and Amazon even back then really didn't exist that strongly, so you could just get online, put up a store, offer some great products at a great price and do some good marketing and just sell a lot, a lot of merchandise. And, and that's and what we did. you actually started with Camping Gear, is that right? That was our first site was Camping Gear Outlet. And yeah. then Camping Gear led to knives. How yeah, did so that happen? We kind of followed the money, as they say. So one of the categories under camping, of course, is knives. And it started taking off. And so we said, well, maybe it needs its own site. So we created our site, Knife Depot, which was our second site and is now our, our most important site. And then things sort of happened. So uh, one of our camping vendors also had a line of baskets and they sold picnic baskets <laughs> and we sold a few of those and then we found another picnic basket vendor. Next thing you know, our picnic basket category is strong, so we created a picnic basket, you know, website. No so where, wherever <laughs> it made sense to go and that's where we went. And how many do you have now? I uh, think the last count we have nine websites right now, all independent niche sites sure. selling a certain, you know, category that very niche we sites if we're talking to picnic baskets, I suppose. Yeah, we are like <laughs> one of the players in the gourmet picnic basket market if there is such a thing. <laughs> so where is the inventory? You don't keep it here. You're strictly virtual. Is that right? We are strictly virtual. Everything is shipped uh, from the manufacturers, wholesalers, or distributors. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we don't actually buy it until after we sell it. It's a great business model. 
Uh, of course, like every business model, there's pros and cons. On the con side, we don't have a huge buying power because we're not buying in quantities and stocking, so, so we don't always get the best pricing, but we keep our overhead very low and I don't have to invest a lot of capital in inventory, which is really cool. So how has it changed in the past few years? The biggest thing is the a level of sophistication you needed to, to give the internet to be successful. It used to be you just had great products and you sold them. Now you have to be so engaged with your customer and give them so much value and content and information mm -hmm. to get them to trust you as a retailer and want to do business with you. Uh, for example, when I started, we would just take all of the product data and information from the manufacturers and that would be our product page. Now I've got two full-time writers on staff that do nothing but create content. content write articles, how-tos, what-ifs, um, creating much more detailed descriptions of the products. You have to give the customer that level of outbound information. Outbound marketing, I think they call it, right? Yeah, on-page marketing, <laughs> outbound marketing, you just need to engage with those customers to make them value and trust you and build that audience. It's so important to build that audience. And it used to be the audience just was there, and now you have to, there's so much noise out there, you really need to speak very loud and clear to get that audience. So much change, it's hard to keep up. You're listening to Out to Lunch, I'm Stephanie Regal. My guests are Warren Sager of Internet RetailConnection.com and Chip Davis of the Trade Authority. Chip, I want to come back to you because Warren was talking about how he, he followed the money and that led to the growth. You followed the success of, of the Partners Exchange and that led to the creation of the Trade Authority. And, and so tell us what the Trade Authority does and how that's different than the exchanges themselves. One of the original concepts about our particular model was that we were not going to be owned by an individual, but that the trade exchange would be owned by the members, the collective members. As president, I said, well, we should replicate this. Well, the problem is if we're going to go to the next city over and replicate this, uh, that's going to cost money. Who's going to pay for that? And if we're not going to be the owners of that, uh, how is this going to happen? And I thought about it for a second, and I said, well, we don't have to be the owners. They need the, the, the people in the next city over have to mm -hmm. have to do this themselves, but I can provide a service of the knowledge of how to do this. And at that time, we were still on pen and paper as far as transactions. And so I had uh, some programming background. I thought, well, this is something that we can computerize and, and, and develop software in a way to make this currency work as much like real world uh, transaction mm -hmm. as possible. And so... With that idea, I talked to a couple of the board of members, and uh, within a short period of time, we set up the second company, Trade Authority, to replicate that model. And it immediately was put on hold because of a little thing called Hurricane Katrina. And we wow. just kind of put it off the side for a little while and let it bake. And uh, a couple of years after that, I said, okay, let's get going again, and started developing the software, which we finished in 2010. And at that point, we started looking for new exchanges and to date we have 14 exchanges that have been started and then do you get a cut of the business on the exchange trade authority gets a um a percentage of the transaction fee that's generated on every transaction so the exchange pays for its staff through the transaction fees that are generated by the transactions that take place and trade authority gets a a percentage of that percentage and that's what, what kind of transaction fees are we talking about Typically, um, most exchanges would use a 10% tr uh, transaction fee. I also receive uh, other percentages based upon 
uh, knowledge that I'm passing on as well, and that varies depending upon the life cycle of where that exchange is and uh, to a limit. So if well. I'm a, a small business owner want to jump on one of these exchanges or something, how do I vet it to know that, okay, well, maybe we're going to trust Chip Davis, but how would I know if it was some other exchange somewhere else? I mean, there's no independent way to make sure that somebody's not ripping, ripping you off. Well, that would be a good question. Uh, we well, would hopefully to get to you first. Yeah. <laughs> so. Most of the time, to be a member of one of these exchanges, you actually have to be recommended by another business that's already a member. So it's kind of like a referral network. You want to only bring people in that are like-minded to you and know the good ethical business yes. people. So it's more of a question of us vetting you, you not vetting us yeah. so right. much. Uh, because we would, uh, uh, every member application that goes out, goes out in front of the rest of the membership. Uh, to make sure this is somebody that we want in our network, yeah, if, and, and if most of them come to us through referrals or, you know. If you look at the list of businesses in these networks, they're all the businesses you know around town that have, you know, years and years worth of, you know, positive relationships with the community, so. And, it, and I know. bet so many consumers don't even know that they're members. I mean, it, it's almost like this is going on. It's like a secret economy, sort of. Not that that's a bad thing, <laughs> but, it, but it That's is. a good point. It, it is uh, a <laughs> yeah. little private, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. here in Baton Rouge, like, we have about 600 members, and we that's think a that's lot. a lot. And it, it really is a lot. It's actually closer to 650 right now. Wow. So. But when you look at that compared to the overall economy in Baton Rouge and the percentage of businesses, yeah, it's still a small part. Uh, Partners One actually has a, a great logo, and on a lot of businesses, especially on the restaurants, the logo is on a sticker on the door, like where you would see, you know, these are Master Card massive. taken here, yeah. partners okay. taken partners here. Really? And, uh, but again, you probably have seen it, and a lot of people have. And we and they walk just right by. Walk it. right by, but that's. Are a there signal. big companies like like airlines? Or? Let's say that today we said, hey, Walmart wants to join the Partners One Exchange here in Baton Rouge. Sounds great at first, right? Right. Well, the problem is that all the dollars, everybody would say, great, and everybody would go spend their their dollars with uh, Walmart. And then Walmart has our the, the whole sum of our economy, all of our dollars tied up there, and they have no way to spend it back out with us because those dollars go up to Benton, Arkansas, or Bentonville. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so it would actually be the death knell for us because it would suck all the currency out a of the system. It's, so it's a real local so economy. So we have to make sure that any member that we bring in is able to spend the dollars back out into the system at the same rate that they take dollars into the system. Okay. It's a, what we call a, a zero balance economy. If you take all the positive numbers and all the negative numbers, it always equals zero. Yeah, it, it's very community-based. For example, the Partners One uh, model here in Baton Rouge, it started out being the greater Baton Rouge area, which included, you know, Ascension Parish and Livingston sure. Parish. But as it grew, we actually separated those off, and now Ascension Parish has its own exchange. And okay. Livingston Parish has its own exchange. Even though it's still part of the community, there's a, the community within itself, and so, therefore, you really want to do business where you live and where it you really do business. It really works best at the micro level. A absolutely. And so what we're trying to do is just keep growing that out and expanding the footprint so we can offer more of these exchanges around the country. It, it's well, also about relationship, I think, as well. Uh, we want, matter of fact, we really don't want an exchange to get much larger than right where Partners is right now. We so think you want to cap it at around? Bigger isn't always better because, again, you want to have that sense of intimacy and that you feel comfortable and that you know the businesses you're doing business with. and. If it's too big, you lose that. And so, like Warren said, when partners started reaching that, we said, well, let's let certain members become their own exchange in Ascension Parish and in Livingston and uh, also West Baton Rouge. Speaking of businesses, before I forget, Warren, I want to ask you about another one of your companies, HybridRacing.com, which is unrelated to everything else we've been talking about, but like the most unique business, and talk about a niche. 
we're talking a company that sells parts for K-Swaps, and I bet most people don't really even know about K-Swap. Yeah, so uh, a lot of these younger kids nowadays love taking their cars and making them go faster. So um, Will Davidson, who was the founder of Hybrid Racing, built this uh, model of able to build parts to take the engines out of these old Hondas and Acuras and put in a new engine and then have all the different parts to, to go on that engine and make sure it, it fits properly and works fine with the car. So the K refers to the engine style the of engine the Honda style, and Acura, correct. which are the same company basically. Yeah, right? okay. so uh, that's the, the what the company does. And the reason that I got involved was uh, one of the drawbacks to the internet business that I'm in is I'm selling the same brands that everybody else is selling. So I'm selling a buck knife and 30, 50, 100 other people are selling a buck knife. So it's, again, harder to make a difference and get through and, and capture that customer. Uh, the great thing about uh, hybrid racing is hybrid racing has developed its own brand. It has its own proprietary products that they design and built and sell. And so that's exciting to me because it allows us to offer something. Because we also still sell it on the internet like we do all my other products. Uh, but I could sell something that's ours, that we own, that nobody else can have, and I could protect and That you all actually design, but you don't manufacture it. You have it manufactured for you? No, 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 I'm sorry. You? Well, I mean, we manufacture. Um, we have uh, a factory in China that's okay. doing it to our specifications. Wow. But we're getting them designed with our own engineers. We're building those parts. Wow. And then we're getting those imported in and then selling those directly to the customers online and reaching people that way. So we're so really excited. So you don't excited. keep the inventory here in a brick and mortar? No, so again, always so interesting. Everything's a little unique. So yes, with hybrid racing, we do. Everything used to be here in Baton Rouge, mm -hmm. but we decided again, we want to focus on what we're really good at. And what we're really good at is designing and marketing these racing car parts. Yeah. So we actually have a third party warehouse that is storing and shipping those parts out for us. Okay. They're still ours, but we don't want to touch it. Uh, in the internet it's business, it's something you don't want to have to deal with. Yeah, I just want to focus on what's what we really provide the most value, and that is with the sales and marketing. So that's what gotcha. we're, we're doing. And how big is this niche market for K Swap? Uh, it's parts. it's it's not huge. It, it's growing. <laughs> uh, the the automobile industry in general is a huge business, right? Sure. And we're just getting our little piece of it. Uh, we're looking at broadening out to different models and different brands, and and as we take our our expertise and kind of move it out to other areas, we're we're going to get there. But it's still pretty small. And is anybody else doing this? Uh, no, we're the only company out there doing exactly what we're doing, which is for these Hondas and Acuras. Lots of other guys are building parts for other chassis, for other, other cars, okay. but we're one of the main ones. We actually started getting a much stronger relationship with Honda. All these years being this little guy doing what uh, Hybrid Racing did for Honda, Honda didn't even know we existed. We just actually got back from a trip to Honda America up in Ohio. They, Honda actually has its own racing team made up of the engineers of Honda that design a lot of the stuff for their cars. And they have some of our parts in their cars, so we're really excited and proud about that. Mm -hmm. That we're finally you know, having an inroad directly with Honda, and who knows where that's gonna take Would us. Would the hope be that they might buy y'all one day? Oh, hey, <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. There you go. Uh, sure, why not? <laughs> Okay. Well, I think most people would be so surprised and impressed to know that these kinds of businesses and exchanges are here in Baton Rouge. Um, or are we ahead of the curve? Or the, There's a lot of technology and, and innovation going on here in Baton Rouge, and I'm excited to be here. Uh, I know a lot of people do business out in California and New York, and there's obviously a lot more going on out there. But I still feel there's, there's a, a little hardcore group here doing a lot of really cool things. And hope w and we get together through different organizations and meetups that share some of those ideas and energies of what, what people are doing. Do you agree, Chip? Yeah, uh, you know, I, 
I guess I've never really thought about it until you've just now asked it, but uh, there is something not only unique with uh, your car company or however you <laughs> classify it, uh, uh, but uh, I'm thinking about the model for for partners in trade authority that we're replicating, and I certainly investigate. There's nobody doing what we're doing anywhere in the world as far hmm. as operating member-owned trade exchanges. So, and so that is unique. And here's and the one the one challenge, though. The, there's not enough capital in this community to support things like this. We hear that so many so, times. Yeah. So, yeah. for example, Trade Authority, we're, we're on this growth campaign, and we're really trying to take it to the next level, and it needs money to do that. And there aren't enough people here have the vision or, or resources where we haven't been able to find a good partner for a good fit to make that happen. And I think if we were in California or New York, that probably wouldn't have been an issue. So and, I mean, it's a you, challenge. You're looking for more than just an angel investor at this point, or or are you? I mean, uh, it would maybe be several like angel a, investors, like a, a uh, private equity firm. Yeah, we're looking or? for over. We're looking for something in the seven figure range, and that usually right. is above and beyond bigger, what yeah. people can do here locally. It, um, it, we're not really a startup. I mean, we've Correct. been going for quite a while, and we have a proven record when we're doing what we're doing. And so uh, there's not something that we need to prove concept. Uh, we just need to scale up, mm -hmm. and we think that we could scale up in a, in a very quick and a significant way. Uh, but we don't think that we're ready to go completely nationwide yet until we have some experience in uh, scaling up. And so this... Uh, this level that we're looking to grow is um, seems to be smaller than a lot of venture capitalists be, would be looking at, and uh, a little premature for that. But um, the hardest the hardest part is explaining what we do to well, somebody in an elevator. How pitch. do you explain to them what you're going to use their money for? It, that's the challenge. What are you uh, What are you going to use it for? Uh, to grow. Our 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 main goal would be. Um, specifically to raise about a million and a half dollars to add 25 exchanges in the next three years. The, uh, the key to start an exchange is to have a local person on the boots, on the ground with the boots, boots on, on the yeah. talking to a business people to start building that network and, and getting people together. And it takes about two years from the time they start making those conversations to we have a viable network that's starting to do some real business and, and kind of cash flowing to pay for itself. So we need cash to every one of those to fund it for two years until it gets to that profitable level. Gotcha. But after that, the numbers look pretty good. It's just got to get there. All right. Well, good luck. Right before we go, Warren, what, what are your long-term plans for internetretailer.com? Uh, where do you want to be with that in a few years? Scale up? Scale down? So um, we've realized that there's only so far we can go with the niches that we're in, and we're just going to try to do the best job we can uh, communicating with our customer, giving them the best value, giving them the best experience, and we'll make money and do well, but uh, not going to take over the Internet, but that's okay. We're, we're happy with the little piece that we get, and that's, that's where we're going to go. My energies for future growth are more for things like trade authority and hybrid racing, where you have something really unique, really valuable, and offer something to the world that not, no one else has. And that, that value, I think, will really show through over time. Well, I'm so glad that we had you all both on today. These, this has been a fascinating, fascinating discussion. We've covered so much ground, but it's great to know about the Trade Authority and Partners One and all of your many companies, too, Warren. So thank you all for joining me on Out to Lunch. Thank you. So well, thank you. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Chip Davis of the Trade Authority and Warren Sager of Internet Retail Connection. You can find out more about the Trade Authority and Internet Retail Connection by following the links on our websites. It's batonrouge.la and wrkf.org. 
Today's show is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. You can see photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Facebook page. These photos are taken by Ken Stewart. All the music on Out to Lunch is composed and performed by Mitchell Foreman. You can find more of Mitchell's music wherever great jazz is streamed or sold and at mitchellforeman.com. You can get this show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, it's batonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for its Baton Rouge.LA and WRKF 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum at b1bank.com. Thank you.